ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Ladies, welcome to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. Simeon is back on the podcast with me today. Thanks for joining me, Sim. Hello. So last quarter, Simeon joined me for a Q&A episode. We asked the listeners to submit questions for us to address, and we got on here and answered them. And we had so much fun. Um, if you haven't listened to that, you might want to go back and find that episode um, questions like, what are our plans when we get to Australia? How many kids do we want? Uh, so many other things. We just had fun kind of chatting through some lighthearted stuff, and then we tried to answer um, some deeper questions as some of those were submitted. Um, but everybody seemed to really enjoy that episode. We got a lot of good feedback on that, and I had so much fun. I love to talk to Simeon. He's my favorite person to talk to, and it's always fun when we can banter back and forth, especially on the podcast. Um, so I decided that we would have him back for another Q&A, and I actually hope to make this um, a little more regular. Maybe once a quarter, we'll have him come on. And I think it's fun, too. I always love when I can submit questions to different people and hear um, just different people's thoughts as God has guided their thinking, um, as some of what we try to share today, again, will just be lighthearted, maybe what we do, and it might not look anything like what you do. Um, and that's fine. Um, but then some of it is a little bit deeper as we're going to dig into God's Word and try to address some different questions that have been asked of us um, from the Bible. So we will talk a little bit more about that as we get into it. But we are just going to go ahead and jump in here and answer some of the questions that you all have submitted. So there were a few questions here at the beginning that were asked that kind of just pertain to me. So I'm just going to answer these quickly, and then we'll jump in on a few other things. We have kind of several different categories of questions. We'll get through the lighthearted uh, ones first, and then we'll wrap things up with some deeper topics. But a couple questions that were asked that are specific more towards me would be, um, the first one is, how do I homeschool with a newborn? So we are kind of just getting back into homeschooling, and my oldest is in first grade. Um, Knox kind of joins in, nothing like official school, um, but our homeschooling looks different than you might think of like a traditional school setting anyway. It's not like an eight-hour-a-day, very structured. Um, we kind of have some freedom, especially even just in homeschooling, to take breaks if we need to, and honestly... The newborn is not the challenge. The newborn is either in my arms or wrapped up in a sling on me. Um, she usually just sleeps. And if she cries, I just feed her and she's happy. It's actually the toddler that is presenting a little bit more of a challenge at this stage. Um, that really can get its own episode. But I've just found some different um, toys, some different activities that engage her while we do school. And we do it in bite-sized chunks. If we do it for 15, 20 minutes, and then we finish that subject and we need a break, we take a break. Um, we go outside, different things to kind of keep things rolling along. But as far as homeschooling with a newborn, that's much easier than homeschooling with a toddler. So maybe more <laughs> of that coming in the future. Um, another thing 
a question I was asked is, do I nurse well on demand or do I have a schedule? I've never had a schedule for any of my babies. Um, again, I, I am a stay-at-home mom. I don't really have like a work schedule or a specific schedule outside of the home where I would need to be very scheduled with my kids. It was always just so much easier and less stressful for me to just nurse on demand. So no schedule for us. When she's hungry, she eats and it just seems to work the best for our family. Um, Somebody asked me, do we sleep train? Do we co-sleep? What do we do? (laughs) None of our girls have been very good sleepers. And then our son, on the other hand, I think slept for the first six months of his life. Maybe this is an area that we need to be better in. Um, When we first had Eden, our oldest, uh, Simeon was very staunch. She's going to sleep in her crib, in her room which was like on the other side of the house. That did not last very long. She was quickly in a bassinet beside our bed. Not my fault. I'd still do that if it was up to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of came down to, are we going to be really stickler about them staying in their bed as a newborn? Or is mama going to get enough sleep that she can function and not be a zombie and (laughs) mama won out? Because if mommy's not happy, nobody's happy, right? Um, So we do not sleep train. Um, I do nurse on demand. So we just go with the flow. Every night looks different. Um, We do usually wind up co-sleeping. She starts in her bassinet, but if it's been an hour and she won't go back down into her bed to sleep. Then into the bed she goes with us. And anyway, I love all the cuddles I can get. So we're good with all the snuggles. Um, and then just this last question that was directed specifically at me. And this is this is a can of worms. So I'm just going to put out a short statement on what where we are. And you figure out where you should be on this one. Somebody asked if we vaccinated our children. Um, we did until Ivy was four months old and that was really in the height of COVID. Um, she got her four month, just routine vaccinations. She had a reaction to them. She got a pretty bad fever. I'd never had a child do that before. Um, kind of scared me a little bit. It was something I had been researching and looking into add in all the craziness with COVID and that really had put a whole new level in Simeon and I's hearts of just really researching and figuring out um, some things for ourselves and not just kind of taking someone else's opinion on it, which led us to choosing that through and through a lot of prayer too. This is something that we prayed through together and we just felt like God was giving us most peace with switching pediatricians and choosing to stop vaccinating. Um, So that's where we're at right now. Now, I'm not saying that I'm against medicine or against science or anything like that. Actually, when we move to Australia, there will be some vaccinations that we have to have in order to go. We've kind of wrestled through some of that and just realized that if God's called us to go there and certain things are required of us to get there, even things that we might not do under any other circumstance, that we will obey God and leave it in His hands. Um, So if something along that line is required of us, we will just have to comply. Um, But as far as our choice, we have just chosen to not vaccinate at this point. Um, So let's keep moving on here. So these are some family questions, just some different things people have asked about our family, the way we do things. Um, The first one is how do we celebrate our children's birthdays? Um, Birthdays, 
we kind of have done the same things since Eden was born, really. This is less for this is less for you and me as much as it is for the kids, I guess. Yeah. But with the kids, if you've seen um, any of Brittany's Instagram stuff, you've probably seen this once or twice. But um, we wake them up by dumping balloons on their heads. <laughs> and we started doing that with Eden. We've done that ever since. So we'll blow up balloons the night before. And uh, we actually use our laundry basket. <laughs> And uh, we put all the balloons in there until they won't fit anymore. And we dump them on their heads first thing in the morning. So um, I think we've got, I don't think anybody's beat us to the balloons. Maybe they have once. I think no, we, we usually plan to get up early on their birthday so that they're not out of bed before they get balloons dumped on their head. And every year I look at my little ones and I think, I just can't wait until you're like 16 or 17. And mom and dad pile in and dump balloons all over here. <laughs> They're going to be so mad. It's going to be awesome. Oh, but it's so fun to look back on all those pictures of every year. They had the balloons on their head and in their bed. Oh, that's fun. We also do a birthday breakfast. So they get paint, birthday pancakes. Um, usually our pancakes are kind of medium to large size, but the birthday person gets small pancakes and they get a really tall stack of them. Except me. I get cinnamon rolls on my birthday. Or French toast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the birthday person gets a little baby pancakes stacked high with a candle on top and we all sing happy birthday. And then we just, you know, sometimes we have party with friends. Sometimes we have party with family. Um, but those those are probably our two big things is the dump in the balloons and then the birthday pancakes. Um, somebody asked about budget-friendly activities that we like to do as a family. We love to go to the park. Um, it's summertime. We love anything involving water. Simeon's parents have a pool, so we utilize that a lot. Um, the kids love splash pads. We love to take picnics. Um, we like to hike. We like to go to the library. We have invested in some different yearly passes. Um, we've found that that has been worth the money. Or if there's been years, um, some years where we've actually asked the grandparents, like, hey, for Knox's birthday, you guys want to pitch in together and get our family a zoo pass? Um, and that's been a huge blessing, too, because it's something that's not like a toy that's just going to get put on the shelf in a few days. It's something that keeps giving. So we've got... Zoo passes, maybe children's museum, aquarium, kind of depending on what is near you. And I know those um, might not be the cheapest, but just we found that they've been worth the investment in the long run for our family. Uh, we, but have, we, just, we have good splash pads nearby, so this hasn't really been a problem. But if you live somewhere where you don't have a splash pad nearby, when I was growing up, we just got one of those big fan sprinklers and we would play in that for hours. Yeah. So that's well, a good Well, even idea. like picnics, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. We often just eat lunch outside yeah. on a blanket or at our picnic table. Um, really just anything to get outside. Our kids love being outside. Um, so there are a lot of different ways that you can find budget-friendly activities and enjoy as a family without spending a ton of money. It might be difficult at first, especially if your kids are not used to playing outside. Um, but if you can get you, your kids used to outdoor play, then it becomes pretty easy to find free things to do outside. Somebody asked if we had an Australia bucket list. So this was a really good question. There is one thing that we most definitely Lord willing, <laughs> we'll do if the Lord does not return and if all works out as we hope. Um, but then I was kind of thinking about it and formulating some other things that I wanted to do. But the number one that we want to do in Australia, actually Simeon told me he would take me to do, is to go scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef. That's like top of the list on our bucket list. 
Um, some other things I would love to do. I'd love to go to the Sydney Opera House and see an opera there. Um, there are some beaches in in Australia that have pink sand. I'd love to go to the pink sand beaches. There's a Sydney Zoo that actually won't be too far from us. Um, and if you know anything about Australia, you know, you know they have some really unique creatures. So that zoo will be quite the experience. She's looking forward to the spiders and snakes and all uh, that. No, we're going to skip the <laughs> reptile exhibit. I would like to, at some point, um, do some kind of a, they call a walkabout or a long-term hiking, backpacking kind of a trip. We'll probably have to wait until Knox is a bit older and yeah, me and so him I'll say go. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> so Those we'll, usually happen in the outback, and the outback is where you find all the spiders and snakes. And- yep, yep. Or we could go, um, there's some mountains near Sydney, which, of course, you know, living here in the Smokies, they're not really mountains compared to what we're used to. But um, mountains for Australia, so we can go hiking out that way and find some trees, throw up some hammocks, and have a good time. Somebody asked what has been the best blessing because of waiting to move to Australia. Um, Our timeline was not God's timeline. I've shared this different times, but if this is your first time jumping in, God has called us to be church planning missionaries to the greater Sydney area of Australia. We had every intention of arriving on Australian soil in 2020, but... If you're aware of what's happened in the world, 2020 brought on COVID, which really changed a lot of our plans. Um, Australia has been extremely difficult to get into. We're currently working through the visa process, but um, there's just time after time we have realized that God's timing is not our timing, but we do know that his timing is perfect. And there was a point where I think we were really discouraged about the timeline And Simeon and I just decided, look, if God has delayed it, that's because God has something for us stateside, and we need to find that. God's will does not start for our family when we get to Australia. It's today. What is the reason that He still has us here today? Um, And there have been so many different things that have come out of that. I mean, even simple things, like we've had more time with our family. Our kids have had more time with their grandparents Um, That may seem like something small, but that is a blessing to them, to us, to their grandparents. Um, But I think for me personally, the biggest blessing that has come out of the waiting is really this whole ministry of no higher calling. It really all started about when we had planned to move. And had I been in the midst of moving internationally and young kids and all of that, I never would have had the capacity to get this off the ground. Um, but we had time here. Simeon had the opportunity to work on some different audio editing abilities that he has and skills. And so the Lord just gave us the opportunity to launch No Higher Calling um, from a blog to a podcast, which now has landed us with different resources and books and different things. Um, So that is such a blessing to me that I have been able to do that. And now I've really set a foundation that we do believe that once we move, this is something that will continue because some of that initial stage difficulty has been laid. The foundation is laid. And from here, um, it's easier to continue that. I think for me, the biggest thing has just been um, maturity in my own life, spiritual maturity. Um, You know, we've told the story before, but... When I graduated high school, I was ready to buy a plane ticket and fly to Australia, and that would have been a really stupid thing to do. But um, 
even still, now that I think about it, after I graduated from college and then even after I got my master's degree and then I met some people and really worked hard through some discipleship stuff and this whole process of waiting on the Lord, the Lord never has you sitting in a waiting room. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing. When you're waiting on the Lord, you're not sitting in a waiting room. You're sitting in a training room. And um, so the Lord's been working and training us and helping us to develop and so the only, I mean, I have to believe that all the things that the Lord's been teaching us are things that we needed to know before we arrive. And um, so that maturing process really for me has been the big thing. And um, I think one of the big things that the Lord taught, taught me while we were doing this waiting was if you see something that doesn't exist or something that you believe needs to get done, perhaps you're the one to do it. <laughs> so that's why we've done half the things we've done because they didn't exist and we wanted to do them. Um and we had the time to do them. I mean, that's that's the really big thing is we wouldn't have had the time, I don't think, to get this stuff started had um, had we gone and been in the middle of trying to plant the church and witness to people and that kind of thing. Another question we got is, what is some of our favorite ministries to serve in in our church? So we do various different things, um, but I think probably one of our favorite things is we teach the K-5 Sunday school class for all the children that ride um, our Sunday school buses. So we just had promotion Sunday. Before promotion Sunday, we had, what, like 35, 40 kids a week. Um, Since that class has moved to first grade and we've gotten the next class, it's a little bit smaller. Um, But, man, we love those kids. (laughs) They can be challenging, just like any five-year-old kid. Um, yeah, you try, but, you try having, you know, one week we had 55 kids in there. You try having 55 five-year-olds <laughs> in one room. <laughs> they just quickly work their way into your heart. And it has been such a joy to get to just expose these kids to the gospel. We've seen some of them get saved recently and baptized. Um, and just to be able, you know, I'm even thinking over Christmas, you know, we would ask him, why do we celebrate Christmas? Or we had Easter. Why do we celebrate Easter? And so many of them did not know the real reason and just the joy of getting to share with them. It's not about the Easter bunny or Santa Claus or anything like that. It's about Christ. And that has been such a joy to my heart. We also help uh, serve in our music ministry. We've been involved in the choir. Um, Just a lot of different things. We work with the children's ministry, several different aspects of that. Um, But I, I think probably our favorite is our Sunday school class. Yep. Um, one of my favorite things to do, which I haven't gotten to do in a little while since school has been out, but um, I was involved in a Bible club in the local public middle school, um, which is just down the road from us. And I got the opportunity to take the gospel right into the middle of the public school and invite anybody who wanted to come. Now, obviously, you couldn't twist anybody's arm. You couldn't make them come. But anybody that wanted to come to the Bible club could come, and um, I could give them the gospel. The interesting thing is the equal... It's called the Equal Access Laws went through the Supreme Court. So no matter where, what state you're in, um, you can have access to the school as long as you have a teacher and a student that are willing to sponsor you. Um, so we got in the school system and are there to preach the gospel, and we make it quite clear what we're there for. Um, we call it Teens for Christ. We go into the school, and um, I'm able to preach the gospel to those kids every week. And, um, and we saw dozens of kids saved last year, and um, if I'm still here, 
Hopefully not. But if I'm still here <laughs> next year, um, I'll plan to do that again and see what the Lord can do with it. But it really is. It really was amazing. And um, some of these kids, it's it's amazing. And it's it's to our shame as Christians. But, you know, they live five minutes from four or five different churches here in East Tennessee, Baptist churches that preach the gospel. And they've never heard the gospel before. And, you know, that's that's it's an indictment on us as Christians. And so somebody's got to get in there and reach them. And it's it's really been fun to do so. What do family devotions look like for us? This changes quite frequently depending on, you know, time and what we have going on and um, just various different things. But currently, um, we do our family devotions in the evening, usually before the kids' bedtime. We have a Bible story book that Simeon reads through with the kids, so... Um, it kind of works its way, Genesis to Revelation, just simple Bible stories. It has a little picture. It asks some basic questions. Um, so Simeon reads that to the kids. We are going through the book that I wrote, Great Hymns for Growing Hearts, teaching our kids um, Bible doctrine. and Available at nohighercalling.org. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. <laughs> um, teaching our kids about the character of God and Bible doctrine through these great hymns for the faith. And it has been such a blessing to my mama heart to see my kids playing and just doing different things and hear them singing it as well and near the cross and come thou found. It's been such a joy um, to see the labor that I invested into that book just come to life in my own children's lives. Um, so we'll, we're working our way through that book, which means that we always sing Whatever hymn we're studying, we sing through that hymn together as a family, and that is just so precious to me. Um, then we have a bunch of missionary prayer cards on a ring. Being on deputation exposed us to a lot of missionaries, so we have many different prayer cards. So we uh, try to keep up with their prayer letters, the emails that they send out, updating with just ministry needs and prayer requests and different things, and in keeping up with that, personally, Simeon and I, and then when the time comes, we usually can share with our kids some specific prayer requests that those missionaries have. So we each take turns praying through, um, just going through our family, and each night we pray for a missionary family, trying to lift up a specific prayer request. We also try to ask our kids, what is one thing that you're thankful for from this day? One thing that happened or something that you can thank God for. And that's always fun at the end of the day, seeing what it was that they were thankful for that day and then trying to express that gratitude to God. Um, but that's kind of what our family devotions look like right now. Nothing fancy or super church scheduled out or anything like that. Just kind of a organic, we just kind of go with the flow. Um, On the nights that we get to it early enough, we've been working back through Little Pilgrim's Progress as well with the, yes. with the older two. Simeon usually does a read aloud with the kids in the evenings, and right now they requested that he would read them Little Pilgrim's Progress. That would be their second time going through it, but Daddy didn't join us the first time, although he heard all about it. And I've read Pilgrim's Progress several times. (laughs) (laughs) But they're enjoying going through that with him. Um, So somebody asked if we study the Bible together. Um, we've done various studies through things. Um, I wouldn't say that we do a regular study per se. Um, but what we, we have a tendency to do is we kind of study our own thing and share with each other what we're studying. And then we also, um, if we have something specific that we want to study together or look into together, 
Um, even that we tend to study separately and then bring our thoughts together. Or um, we've talked about this before, but on occasion, you and I will we'll get a getaway and we'll use that getaway as a time to pray about something specific, read our Bibles, and it never fails that the Lord shows us something in our own Bible reading regarding that. But we, when we read together, we tend to be doing a study together as well. So I was going to say to you, part of our reading challenge for ourselves this year is that we read a book together each quarter. So actually, the book for this past quarter was a book that our pastor wrote um, on the book of Ezra. They've been going through it in the adult Sunday school classes in our church, which we are not a part of because we teach that kindergarten class. Um, so we've been reading through that book. So that is kind of, I mean, it's we're reading lots of scripture that's in that book um, and then kind of been studying through the book of Ezra together. Um, but that's kind of what we've been doing currently. I do have, hopefully, plans for the future, a very specific Bible study that we want to do together and maybe some resources that'll come out of that. Maybe. <laughs> I have lots of big dreams. We'll see. Lots of work for me, she means. <laughs> oh, goodness. Even if we don't get to the resources part, we do enjoy studying the Bible together and having different conversations about God's Word and what God's doing in our hearts. Um, somebody asked about balancing ministry and family. I think we will have a more experienced answer to this in coming <laughs> years, but we are very involved in ministry, um, and I know that is a struggle that we've had, but that a lot of people have is how do you balance those two things? I have a little bit of a different take on this than a lot of guys. A lot of guys will tell you, put your family first, put your ministry second. Um, or they'll say, put the Lord first and your family second and the ministry third. I don't think it works as a list like that. Um, you know, we've, we've been taught by our pastor and it's something that he was taught by someone else. Um, but when you look at scripture, you find it to be true. God asks to be preeminent. That doesn't mean prominent. It doesn't mean God goes on the top of the list. It means the only name on the list is God. And if you have him in its proper place, everything else is in its proper place. That's cliche, and, and I know that, um, but it's true. So my answer to the balancing family and ministry thing is that your family is ministry. And if you are not ministering to your family, you're not active in the ministry. You might be doing everything else in the world, um, running the bus and knocking the doors and witnessing to the people in the coffee shop. But if you're not ministering to your family, now when I say ministering, let me describe that in a minute, but if you're not ministering to your family, you're not in the ministry. You're failing the ministry um, because your family is ministry. God gave those people to you to minister to. So let me define ministry um, quickly. Ministry is the teaching of the word of God. Now, we have conflated a lot of things and call it ministry, um, but those other things may be necessary, but they are actually what I would call service. So the difference between ministry and service. Service would be anything you do to help the church, you know, picking up the from picking up the trash to ushering to um, leafleting or whatever it is that you do. Um, those are all service-oriented things. Ministry is actually the teaching and preaching of the Bible. So that would be teaching your kids. That would be teaching a Sunday school class. That would be preaching from the pulpit. All of that would fall under ministry. But anytime you're teaching the Bible to another person, that's you talking to a friend at work 
about the gospel. That's ministry. Now, ministering to your family. If you're not doing any kind of ministering to your family, meaning speaking to your family about the Bible on a regular basis, whether that be your wife or your kids or whatever, then you're failing the ministry. Um, I mean, that's harsh, but it's reality. So defining ministry and service, I really think that's where the question comes in. How to balance service and family? Um, Because I think we've all seen that ministry family where maybe the guy is always involved in ministry and service outside of the home, maybe to the neglect of the wife and children. Um, But as far as our family goes and just service and serving the Lord, we really try to, it's not Simeon that serves the Lord and then the kids and I stay home and do family. Um, We're a team. We're a group. Um, We've told our kids before, look, God's called our entire family to Australia. That means that it's not just daddy planting a church. It's not mommy and daddy planting a church. It's our whole family. This is something that as a family unit, God has called us to. Um, Now, again, we're not there yet. But even in the service that we do now, we try to involve our family group as much as possible. Now, that doesn't always happen. Um, The Teens for Christ ministry Simeon mentioned The kids can't go because of COVID restrictions, and I can't go because I have, you know, babies, and that would be more of a distraction than what the, you know, he's got 15, 20 minutes with these teens. We don't need a baby crying during that time. Um, But, you know, when we can serve as a family, we try to, that brings in a lot of opportunities with hospitality, with different things, um within our church that we can do as a family to serve together. Yeah, I think one thing that people tend to misunderstand as well is that when one member of the family has to be gone in order to serve or in order to minister, the rest of the family picks up that person's weight, which is in and of itself a service to God. Um, now I'm not, I'm not making excuse for anybody who is neglecting their family and is just gone all the time. Okay. So don't, don't think that. But when I go to the school and do the Bible club, I'm not at home. That means that there are certain things that I normally could be helping with or doing that I'm not available to help with or do. So Brittany has to pick up that slack that in and of itself is a service to the Lord that she's doing what she normally does not have to do so that I can be somewhere else. So I don't think, uh, I think we fail to realize that. And, and the Lord said that if we gave a cup of water to someone in his name, that it's like we gave a cup of water to him. So I think we minimize that aspect of it. The people who go unseen, um, while another person may be seen, I'm there, I'm at the school, I'm seen, I'm more public. But that doesn't mean that that Brittany at home is getting any less of, re- of a reward in heaven for serving in the way that she is than I am for serving in the way that I am. And every soul that's won to Christ during the ministry that I'm doing, she's earning as well. So I don't think, you know, I don't want to minimize that aspect of the ministry and of service as well. Those who don't get that public spotlight or don't get to be seen or actually be out there doing the ministry, quote unquote, often get forgotten, but they're not forgotten by God. He sees all of that. So, um, 
but again, I'm not making an excuse for somebody who is using the ministry as an excuse to neglect his family. So, so we're going to wrap up this portion with one more question that kind of branches us from family into some just Christian living and some questions like that. And after this question, we're going to wrap up this episode and call this part one. We will do a part two. I'm going to release them on the same day. I'm just trying really hard, ladies, to keep these episodes around 30 minutes. I know you're busy. Um, so you can listen to this one and then tune into the next one whenever you get a free moment. Um, and then in the next one, we'll kind of really dive into some deeper topics of some things that we've been asked. But wrapping up this portion, part one of the Q&A episode, someone asked, they said, I know we are told to not live in fear, but in the uncertainty of everything going on right now, should we family prep for difficult times? Um, and this is something that Simeon and I have been talking about a lot. I tend to be a little more doom and gloom, the world is coming to an end. And he tends to be a little, everything's a conspiracy, we're all good. And, you know, I think there's a happy medium in the middle to find that. And, you know, we kind of say that in jest. Um, I'm not like a prepper and he's not like a, I'm going to go stick my head in the sand and everything's fine. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I, I think that is a question that a lot of people are asking right now is, okay, we see things on a trajectory that is disturbing, where do we as Christians fall? What should we be doing? And this is something that I've really been praying through and thinking through um, and looking to scripture too. You know, what what prep should we be doing? Do we need to stockpile a bunch of food? Do we need to buy a bunch of guns? Do we need to move to a commune? Like, what do we need to do? Um, and, you know, as I'm studying scripture, God says that you know, he provides our daily bread that, you know, look at the sparrows, look at the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin, but the heavenly father takes care of them, that God feeds the birds. And even so much more will our heavenly father take care of us. Um, David says in the Psalms that he has never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Um, I've done an episode before on As Thy Day, So Thy Strength, back in Deuteronomy, about how God provided the manna daily. And I think God does show us that we are to rely on him for our provisions. You know, we could stockpile all we want, but the food comes from God. Um, the resources come from God and he can give and he can take away whenever he wants to. Um, but nowhere in God's word do we see like a, um, like a fear of taking care of of us, because we don't take care of us. You know, we need to be a wise steward of what is God has given us. Um, but in, I do think there are things that we can do to look well to the ways of our household. Um, that's kind of the verse for this whole no higher calling, Proverbs thirty one twenty seven, that she looketh well to the ways of her household. And as I was preparing for this, I was looking through different verses in Proverbs thirty one. And it talks about how she layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. Um, it says that she is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. You know, in, in reading that, she's not afraid of the winter time. She's not afraid of the time of lack, of barren, of fruitlessness. Because in a time when it was fruitful, when she had the resources, when she had the ability, she prepared her household for the difficult days to come and they could face that 
with with courage and with security and knowing that, hey, we have stewarded ourselves well and we are taken care of. And I do so in that, I think there is a responsibility that we have to look well to our family. That's going to look different for everybody. Um, but I really feel like the crux of this comes down to what is our spirit behind this prepping um, is it fear? Is it out of a fear that we're going to starve to death or, you know, the world's going to end or, you know, d- different things? The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And I think that's where we need to check ourselves. If, if it's a fear-based preparation, um, then something's something's wrong, something's off, and we need to get our hearts right. But if it is just a heart of, okay, Lord, things are not looking the best, and, you know, I'm hearing this or that or these possibilities, how can I be a steward of the family that you've given me, of the home, of the the body, the bodies, as a mom looking after her children? Um, and, again, I don't have an, you know, I'd love to have chickens. I don't think the answer for everybody is go have a chicken coop and, you know, get your meat and eggs in your backyard. Um, so that's going to be a little bit different for everybody. But as you are looking well to the ways of your household, that would be my thing is just check your heart. See if if your motives are rooted in fear or just a desire for stewardship. Um, and then just ask God, how do you want me to look well to the ways of my household in today's day and age? And do what you can be smart. Um, but ultimately God is the one that takes care of us and we have to just trust in him and trust in the provision that he gives. I think often we have this idea that faith means that we're going to stick our hands in our ears and just la 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 la, God's going to take care of me. That That's not faith. Okay. Um, the Bible says that there is one requirement of a steward. And there's a lot of things that a steward does, but a steward is required to do one thing, and that is that he be found faithful. Okay? That word faithful starts with the word faith. Okay? Faith is not believing against all odds that something is going to rain from heaven, even though you didn't do anything to prepare for it. <laughs> That's not faith. Faith is doing what you know to do right now, and trusting God with the rest. Okay. I think we all know the story of the ants and the grasshopper. You know, you don't be the yeah. grasshopper. Yeah. Don't waste away your summer days and not be prepared when the winter comes. But you don't see the ants, you know, having anxiety attacks that mm. winter is in the future. Jesus loved to tell stories or parables about stewards. He has two big ones that everybody knows about. And there's a third one that... I don't think he directly calls the man a steward, but that's essentially what he is. Um, but the one that I always find so interesting is the one where he gives one man 10, one man five, and one man one talent or some kind of money. And the guy who gets the one brings back one. He didn't lose anything. It, one of his other stories, the steward lost everything. This guy didn't lose anything. He brought back exactly what he was given, but he was called an unjust steward. So... He was called an unjust steward because he was not faithful with what he was given. He didn't do anything with it. So, like Brittany said, it comes down to this. Are we prepping because we're afraid? Are we bunkering stuff in our basement? And 
If you are, if you're prepping because you're afraid, when someone who is needy comes by, you're not going to give them anything because you're not going to want to give out of your resource because you're stocking that for yourself and for your family. We should take care of our families, but a person who's in fear is not going to serve God properly with what he was given. Well, in the middle, I, I skipped a verse when I was reading Proverbs 31. It says, she layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. So this is talking about making clothing, using materials. And then I skip to verse 21 that says, She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. So tying those two things together, she's making these clothes. But in between, verse 20 says, She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Not only is she taking care of her household, seeing that her household is provided for, but out of her ministry to her household, she goes above and beyond and then ministers to those that are without her household. Yeah, so faith is not not having your ear to the ground and just trusting God to do everything. Faith is actually both. Faith is knowing what's going on around you, knowing how the world is going, keeping your ear to the ground, being wise with what you have, and being wise about saving for the future and putting away money or food or whatever it is that you've chosen to do, Um, but also knowing that all of it comes from the Lord and you're stewarding that stuff, not because you're afraid of what's going to happen, but because you're trying to be the best steward you can be with God's resources. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They aren't our resources anyway. They're the Lord's resources and we're to be wise with it. We don't have a stockpile of food in our pantry. I mean, I'm just, just going to be honest. Like we're not saving for the end of the world here. Um, But we are trying to be wise and save other things, money, that kind of thing. We're trying to be wise with skill sets that we're learning and things that we will be able to, so that we'll be able to provide for ourselves in odd ways and diversify the income, diversify our skill set. They call it skill stacking if you want to get fancy terms, but um, just being wise with our time mainly, but also our resources. That is faithfulness. It's not, you know, again, it's not trying to pray down manna from heaven because you were too lazy to do to, to, to hunt and to gather when you should have. Well, and as the budget allows and as I get pantry space, you know, I don't mind to stock up on some extra. I mean, honestly, I do that kind of just no matter what life looks like anyway, just because um, it's usually more budget friendly to shop in bulk. But, you know, I think we can get so caught up with the physical preparation that we would neglect the spiritual preparation. And this is something I've really been convicted of um, as I've just thought about different things. You know, I don't want to invest so much of myself into, you know, making sure that we have food and medicine and clothing to the neglect of preparing my heart for the possibility of what is to come. You know, I, I want my family to be fed and clothed and taken care of, but if the future looks like what it could, and the Bible says that that, that it's just going to wax worse and worse as we get closer to the end times, that we need to be really spiritually prepping. We need to be investing scripture into our heart, make deep wells that we can draw from, you know, just different things I've been reading, um, even just the biography of Corey Tim Boom, you know, when the hard time came, she needed, she was stripped of all of the physical you know, they, they prepared their home. They had resources, but they were, all of that was ripped away. You know, she had her clothing on her back and her Bible and just the reality of 
the fact that she was spiritually prepared, that she was able to endure some of the most difficult days, days I couldn't even fathom living because she had a spiritual resolve. And and I really think as we kind of wrap this up and ask this question, try to answer this question biblically, I just would caution you as I'm praying through that in my own life, that's something that God's been challenging me with is how much are you preparing spiritually? Yeah. It just makes me think of Jesus when he meets up with the woman at the well and he's been walking for days and he's thirsty, but he's far more concerned with the spiritual thirst that she has than the physical thirst that he has. Um, because that's more important. And like you said, if, if we neglect if we neglect to prepare ourselves spiritually for the worst, then when the worst comes, you might have all the food in the world, all the guns in the world stocked away in your house, but you will not survive. And, you know, people who went through the Great Depression, especially people who went through the Great Depression without Christ, how was their mental state when they came out on the other side? A lot of those people had serious mental problems. And if you think those two things are not connected, you don't have your eyes open. We have to be spiritually prepared far more than we are physically prepared for the worst. I'm not saying the worst is coming tomorrow. I'm just saying the closer you are to the Lord Jesus Christ, the better off you're going to be when everything falls apart. I mean, that's and even just if, the way it is. Even if nothing falls apart, it never hurts to be closer and closer to Christ. I mean, it's not like I wake up in the morning panic like, oh my goodness, the world may fall apart today, so I need to go you know, beat my kids over the head with the Bible and we got to spend all day memorizing scripture. No, it, it's just, it's a part of what we do, how our family, what we focus on. You know, we, we sing hymns, we learn them, we learn scripture, but, but all of that is laying a foundation to draw from no matter if we live good days or we live bad days, um, just investing that into our hearts, into our children's hearts. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this portion of the Q&A episode, and we look forward to joining back with you guys in part two. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.